is this music a podcast about the psychology and sociology of musical taste why we love the music we love and hate what we hate well today on the show i'm talking to one of the coolest people i know about one of the least cool music genres there is or at least that's what I thought until I talked to her. Stay tuned. So uh, my guest on the program today, Eliza Caution, musician based in uh, Montreal and Ghana Sadake. Um, I, uh, we met a few years ago when um, you played a show with my band, Permanent Stains. And uh, I remember that you know I, I wasn't familiar with, with you or your music at all. And the description that the promoter gave was really vague. Um, and so I really had no idea what to expect. Um, so when you started to perform, I was kind of like trying to sort of place it in a category and it was sort of like, it's kind of an experimental noise genre with some collage. It was quite political. And, uh, you know, on paper, like if someone had described it that way, I would have said, ah, you know, that doesn't really sound like my musical comfort zone. But like, as soon as you began to perform, I was like, man, this is totally awesome. And um, it was really moving, it was really musically interesting. And, uh, and I know I wasn't the only person who felt that way because um, at the end of the show, my friend I was with, who, as far as I know, knows you know, little or nothing about that genre of music, just turned to me and was like, wow, that was amazing. And I was like, yeah. And I felt like everyone sort of felt that way in the room. It was a special show. And I think you later told me that was one of your first shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, thank you so much for that for that wonderful interjection and uh, compliment and stuff. Yeah, that was really early on. I think it was probably my third, third or fourth show. Um, and I feel like the same thing too. Like I really didn't know what to expect with your band. They were just like, "Hey, here's this band. They're kind of OGs. They've been doing it. And uh, would you want to play this gig?" And I was like, "For sure." And I had I had met Bryce recently who had played that that uh-huh. show as well i can't remember if it was i i think i had just started working for moro at the at the vitrola that that show was at the vitrola and so i was just kind of getting my my foot in the door and meeting all kind of interesting people and that was that was a really exciting time for sure even if it was in the the recent recent past yeah but like we were just saying before we started the recording the recent past feels like so long ago (laughs) in a weird way so uh, anyway, uh, one of the things that I thought was so cool about your performance um, and, and so unexpected was that, you know, I've seen a lot of experimental uh, noise shows in my day, um, but um, apart from the, the other things that were, that were notable about it, you know, you'd have, the, you'd have the, the collage going and some soundscapes and then like you just pick up your guitar and start shredding. And it was so kind of like, to me, kind of joyfully unexpected in that musical context. Like you, you know, there's, there is a, a pretty big um, spectrum of sounds and styles you'll hear in that genre, but you don't typically see someone like just really given her uh, right. on the guitar. And I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not really a metal head per se, but I like, I like metal. So I definitely had an appreciation of that. And, um, then like later we got to know each other. We started following each other on social media st- and stuff. And I noticed that you, uh, you posted a lot about new metal. Yeah. And I was, 
I was kind of like bemused by that because I think for someone my age, I'm 46. I'm kind of like tail end Gen X or whatever. Like people around my age typically not only don't like new metal, but sort of saw it as like some kind of wrong path that their music took. Um, and so it was bizarre, but also kind of refreshing to see someone who just unabashedly loved it. And I think maybe at first I maybe thought you were joking or something, but then like you kept posting pictures of like your huge collection of CDs and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is not a joke. Like she really is into this music. Yeah. Um, and part of what I'm trying to do with this project is kind of like investigate uh, genres that I don't know about or that I'm resistant to and try to figure out why that is, what's cool about them that I'm missing, or whether it's just like some deep level difference between people or something. So I guess to get around to an actual question, like you re recall when you first heard new metal or got into it? Um, yeah, for sure. But I, I want to start like that with a side note. Um, I love I love um, your perspective and your your interest in this because uh, I used to play with John Milchan a few years ago, and yeah. he he's got a few years on me, and he's kind of from like a like a an OG garage rock revival movement kind of I guess you could say, uh -huh. and so he was already older than I am now, and probably by a few years by the time New Metal happened, it was always an interesting conversation because I, I I loved. Um, asking him about his honest perspective of how, you know, it's very apparent that like an older generation really scoffed at new metal, mm -hmm. you know, as it, as it was happening. And for years, years later, it kind of turned into like, almost like meme culture material or something. Totally. Um, so that's, I, I, I love that. That's, that's really cool. But, uh, but to, to go back to where I first heard it, I think one of the most mysterious fun things about new metal is its origins are so vague and undefined and they can go really culturally deep if you want to get into it. Um, I want to get into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but I think the first, the first kind of new metal I heard was probably, probably uh, Corner Limp Bizkit because they were like, they were the biggest bands at the time. I, I was born in 1991. Uh -huh. So, um, I guess I would compare it to like what an, an older generation compares to like being seven or eight years old and hearing Kiss for the first time. New metal was such a, an attractive thing to a little kid because it was very rebellious and dangerous, or it seemed like it was really dangerous. And it was, seemed like it was very uh, character and image driven. And it made you want to be in a band and stuff. So definitely early stuff like uh, kind of the original bands, Korn, Limp Bizkit, Deftones chamber i can't pinpoint exactly like these bands were so huge in the late 90s that they were in movies and their music was in they were on these major labels that back in the day the the soundtrack thing was really big i don't know if you remember that but uh i mean sure like i, I in particular what stands out to me is like the judgment night soundtrack where they got a bunch absolutely. of grunge and and other and metal bands to collaborate with rappers for sure which I like, I don't know how that holds up today. Um, yeah. But I mean, it was definitely notable at the time. It was like a big project, like more so than the movie itself. Like the soundtrack was something that people talked about because they had, you know, like Biohazard 
but they also had bands like Dinosaur Jr. and Sonic Youth who were like a lot more hip for sure, bands. For sure. And Helmet's on that, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Would you consider Helmet new metal? I, mean, I, I always, I don't know how to express this. I struggle to find the, the words for this, but like there's a certain um, line of cool, which like Limp Biscuit was never hip or right. cool, right? Like, but Helmet somehow was. Absolutely. I don't know why that is. Like if an alien from outer space listened to the two bands, they might not be able to delineate any difference in the musical genre or they might, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think the Judgment Night is a great thing to to bring up because yeah, the helmet thing they had done, I think, I believe it was with um, House of Pain. Right, right. And they had, they had Jump Around out at the time. So that was, uh, I think early on, new metal really got associated with kind of a jock jam movement. Absolutely. Um, but even Fred taking Durst it back- with his with his red backwards baseball. Right. Back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somehow it looked like the kind of people who would like beat you up, like from my perspective. For sure. For sure. Um, but to take it further, even back, uh, we have to talk about like uh, Public Enemy and Anthrax, and I think that's a really interesting collaboration because that was, I believe, still in the maybe early nineties, but I think it's like 89 or something. 80. Yeah. I was going to say if it's, if it might even be, be late eighties. Right. And I, I feel like both, it's still really cool to listen to anthrax or public enemy in many circles, whether it's, it's like tongue in cheek or you actually like it. I feel like that's an example or helmet are prime examples of bands who had incredible amounts of like groove and helmet had this kind of like post hardcore New York jazz swing thing which I think was hugely influential to how the bands were writing songs at the time where it wasn't like, you could argue it, it has a root in blues, but it, it wasn't bluesy. It was very groovy, but it wasn't bluesy, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting thread. Like, the, like maybe a, a point of disconnection from the blues root of, uh, of rock and roll. Yeah. I'm, I just like came up with that off the top of my head. So I don't know if I'm totally talking out of my ass, but like... Yeah. Could it be? No, I, I mean, I, that's, that's what's funny with new metal is like, I don't think it's a movement that could not have happened without MTV. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the people who were in those bands at the time, they, they were like MTV babies. And uh, it's, it's such a byproduct of, of hip hop and pop music. And uh... um, okay, so there were so many interesting uh, threads that we've already touched on. So I wanted to like, go back and pick through some of them a little bit like, I loved how you said uh, the comparison to Kiss and like, um, because I love Kiss um, and, and yet they too are like never taken seriously. Right. Like, like they only exist, uh, you know, as a guilty pleasure or as something where you might like confess that you like one or two songs, but like somehow, whether it's because of their image or, or because of Gene Simmons kind of like persona or something, they're never taken seriously, but they were so uh, striking in that image, especially as a kid. Um, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, they were they were terrifying. And then as an adult, you listen to it, and it's 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 like not even remotely metal. It's more like power pop. Right, um, right. Which is I kind of at this point I find that even cooler in a way. Of course, yeah. It's like they have more in line with the Cars than Black Sabbath. In a way, time. yeah in a weird way, like there's even elements of like doo-wop, I would say, uh, um, on their first couple albums. But anyway, 
I could go down, I could go on down a kiss rabbit hole, but that's not the topic today. <laughs> uh, but I did love how you made that analogy in the sense that how the image was so striking um, and uh, almost separate from the, the musical quality, how appealing that would be when you're young. Absolutely. But like not to, not to totally ditch kiss for a second. Cause I, I got this strange memory of, uh, the initial question you had asked me is, what's the first time I heard it? And I went to school on the res in Ganasadage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to school with this with this kid named Ojo Kwanoru. And he used, to, he used to be into bands who wore makeup. And I was convinced that that was a genre. But his favorite band was Kiss. This kid was obsessed with Kiss. He would go see Kiss. And he'd come back with the t-shirts that were like a million sizes too long for him. And, um, but this kid also listened to the 90s incarnation of the Misfits. Okay. Yeah. And um, Rob Zombie. Mm -hmm. And I was probably like seven or eight when I, when I was hanging out with this kid. So I was convinced there was an entire genre of just people who wore makeup, mm -hmm. like outside of anything sonically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it's kind of true in the sense of like glam rock. Like I invoked Power Pop before, but Kiss was very glam. They were. They came out of the same scene as the New York Dolls, Alice Cooper, that whole that whole tradition. And then the Misfits is different, but also they're almost kind of like on a parallel track that goes into like the black metal uh, uh, imagery of the, of the corpse paint. Talking about early memories and when you first started getting into uh, new metal through like MTV or Much Music or like. Like what, what, what do you remember? What, what are the striking like memories you have um, from that time? Well, I didn't really, I was a little disconnected cause my mom, um, she was like in her early forties when she had me. So she's actually a, a child of the fifties. Mm -hmm. So I had this kind of generational disconnect where um, we didn't have like satellite dish or I, I, I didn't really have MTV as a child. Mm -hmm. But um, I would, I would, for some reason, award shows. I, I think MTV would broadcast like the the music video awards, like on ABC or something. I can't remember how it worked, but I remember seeing, definitely seeing corn on television. The other thing would be like um, early skate videos. I think Deftones, Deftones specifically, were in a lot of skate videos. Um, yeah, because you're you're a skater too. Yeah, yeah, I started skateboarding when I was like nine. And uh, I feel like that initially was like hip hop culture. And at the time, like it wasn't new metal, it was just metal. I feel like a lot of those bands wore, even if they were like in their thirties, they dressed still like teenagers and they wore like Osiris shoes and stuff yeah. that like, it was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. Like, I think when you're a little kid, you still wanna like play but you want to like figure out how to play as an adult and like skateboarding and seeing guys jump up and down with guitars. It's like, Oh, that's like the next thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. We talked about the judgment night soundtrack and like the, the, the hip hop uh, rock crossover. And I remember like when new metal came out, it was sort of synonymous in w among my kind of cynical cohort with like rap rock, right. which somehow we thought was bad. But when I look back, the first exposure I ever had to hip hop was like Run DMC collaborating with Aerosmith. Like I, I remember very vividly, I was 12 years old, like watching much music and like this, you know, the Walk This Way video came on and it was just like completely mind blowing. Like I had never 
heard people rapping before and uh and i was just like you know just bowled over like what is this so so cool and i went right out and bought the run dmc tape um oh yeah because we were talking about anthrax and public enemy and it was like for a while it was like you know that's that was actually the coolest thing when, when like rock groups would collaborate with rappers but then somehow it took on this other uh, negative connotation and I, I can't figure out why yeah it's funny we were um because halloween just happened a few days ago i don't know when this is going to air but halloween is like last week or something uh-huh. and um so we've been watching a bunch of horror movies and stuff and we've been going through the nightmare on elm street series the first uh-huh. at least to the first four and i think it's the fourth one that has a really really funky cool 80s soundtrack and it's a it's an interesting it's kind of like that not all the songs are collabs but there's an interesting one with like Sinead o'connor and mc light oh yeah and i was that like how cool. have i only heard this now in this movie that like probably wasn't the most famous freddy but i was just like that's so cool just googling dream warriors because i think that was nightmare on elm street three or four because i remember that song by Dawkins, we're the dream warriors <laughs> but then of course when i googled it also comes up dream warriors the canadian like conscious hip-hop uh duo from around the, the same time early 90s i'm not familiar with them i gotta check that out i, I, I like <laughs> yeah. the canadian conscious I, i'm a big fan of the rascals yeah i think rascals was a, a little bit later like dream warriors had this this great tune called the my my definition anyway i'll send you a link um so yeah we're talking about um rap rock and the and the hip-hop collabos yeah you can't help but wonder like did we think that it that it wasn't cool because they were like white dudes trying to incorporate hip-hop into into uh into rock but i mean that's the whole history of rock and roll in general right right i think i think it's exactly that I think like looking back, I can say this now, I'm almost 30. And if I was 30 when this was happening, it would have looked completely different than if I was seven or eight. Well, no, for sure. I mean, I think that's true of, of so much uh, music. Um, but but I have the feeling um, that you, you still enjoy this music today and appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely, I love it. It's funny because like I, I loved this music as a as a little kid, probably up until I was about 11 or 12. And then skateboarding was really started to become more defined. It wasn't just like, oh, I like everything. It was like, oh, I like this and I like that. And that's when I was like getting into minor threat and um, I guess traditional skate rock bands or whatever, The Faction and Agent Orange and groups like that. And I put off new metal for a few years um, and it was probably when I was like 15. I got really, really into playing guitar and I went back and I was just like, this stuff is fantastic and it's really exciting. And these records sonically are incredible. Like, even if you're not a fan of that style, like the, the production, these, these, I feel like it was the last youth movement where labels were just throwing like, here's $250, uh, 250,000 for your record and a million for a video. And we're going to do four videos. You know what I mean? I don't feel like that's happening in a in a youth movement kind of way as much anymore. Oh, absolutely. No, I think that that's that's very uh, observant as well. Like just the era of that sort of twilight of the the old school music industry, where they were just you know 
making so much money off CD sales. Um, and yeah, having huge budgets. I mean, we, we joke sometimes about like, you know, a little while ago, I, some, some friends of mine and I revisited the, the song and video, uh, Steal My Sunshine by Len. Yeah, it's so it, classic. Yeah, and they, um, you know, the video is just them in Florida or something. And it's really clear that they just had a certain budget and they blew it all on like traveling to this place with like a dozen of their friends and partying. <laughs> and it doesn't like the budget doesn't really come through in the in the video, but you can tell that they just have like a whole bunch of money to burn. Yeah, that's a, that's a, such an iconic like Canadian video because I of, of that time because I remember like I think Mocha only from Swollen Numbers was in that he's like part of their crew or whatever. It could so. be, yeah. I, that's, um, that's what I remember from that video. Yeah, for sure. I mean, talk about a gr- amazing like one hit wonder. Like, I still would say that like I I will like un- unashamedly claim like that I I like that song. But like, what an amazing fluke in a way. You know the 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 song is just one sample throughout. There's no changes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, have, you done, have you done the uh, the sample.com thing about that? Like, mm-mm. have you seen the original sample where it's from? No. It's hilarious. It's I believe it's like um, like a psychedelic um, Middle Eastern tune or something. And they really just sample like the, the intro of it. And it goes into some really progressive shredding. And it's hilarious to be like, wow, that's... I mean that's sample culture, but but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. If I can remember it, I'll I'll send you the link to that as well. Cool. I feel like there's going to be like an avalanche of like shared links after <laughs> this call. I wanted to just go back on what you were saying about the um, the sound of new metal because when I was researching it, you know, trying to get some perspective, uh, it said something like you know new metal is typically uh, you know in like uh, drop D or like tuned down um, tunings and that there are typically aren't a lot of solos, guitar solos. So it's like a, a kind of um, really different approach because metal was so much about solos in the, in the 80s. Uh, and when I read that, I was like, well, that kind of sounds cool, actually, when you put it that way. Um, so what are some of the things that you noticed when you returned to it um, that, you, that you liked in the sound? That's a really interesting point. I'd, I'd love to riff on that too for a second, actually, just on how... Uh... Yeah, I I almost think the no solo thing was like, it was almost like, let's take like a Pantera thing. Mm -hmm. Pantera had really heavy, but like with that heavy in grooves and and take out solos. And also like a group, I think that uh, we can't overlook is Primus. Sure. Primus had this really goofy, heavy, virtuistic, almost Zappa-esque thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of new metal was like... uh, they took a lot of primacy things and maybe took out the Zappa-isms and the humor and got a bit more angular with it. And I think maybe that's why it started to resonate with the, uh, with the jock jam crowd. But when I re got into it, I think I was, I was just into checking out, like I was so into guitars. So I was, I didn't know about seven string guitars. I was like, Oh, what's that? Um, I think the thing that stuck out to me was just the, uh, the songwriting quality and the quality and the arrangements. Cause by then I had, I was all, I had been listening to everything from hardcore, American hardcore to, um, I was starting to get into like new order and bands like 
bands like Joy Division and all the British bands, the Smiths, the the. And I started to to become really more excited with the songwriting because metal actually when I was when I was 14, 15, it started to get really hyper technical again. And already already like new metal was was very much scoffed at in guitar magazines and stuff. And I just I was just like I couldn't quite understand how quick something could go from being that hot and progressive to being left alone in the corner kind of. And I felt like I, there was something to be learned from it. And I, and I, I can't, I, to this day, I can't really pinpoint what it is other than like a, maybe like a, a really sugary immediacy, you know? Hmm. That new metal had. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of, <laughs> There's not a lot of um, like long intros. There's not a lot of, everything is very immediate. It's like, how, how quick can we make the crowd mosh? Right. And, and, and then everything that's, that's progressive and ambient and ear candy is very much under the surface. And I think um, that's where, that's where the, the, discre- the, the discrediting of, or the discreditation or whatever of new metal starts to become a bit ridiculous because I feel like, these records at the end of the day are really amazingly produced and uh i don't know it's just it's a different product it's 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 not it's not it, i i don't think it was ever trying to be art beyond uh an immediate reaction you know what i mean um in what way i don't feel i again i think maybe cuz it's shelf life it it was such a short time but i don't feel like uh ever got to mature maybe enough to a place where it was ever respected and because it was so it was so obviously um bubblegum i guess to a degree Mm. that even now hindsight like it's it a lot of musics who that that have had like a movement a moment in the sunshine i feel like in the spotlight or whatever they kind of get like this 20-year legacy where they kind of start to become cool again and new metal as a whole I don't think that could that could ever happen. It's happening a little bit now with like people wearing Slipknot shirts and stuff. And the, I don't know if you've noticed that's kind of like a little bit cool again. I mean, my only like insight into it being cool is through you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I figure, to be honest, I was like, well, if Eliza likes it, there must be something to it. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, there's a few things that you touched on there. You described it as bubblegum, which I thought was really intriguing. And you said earlier that um, they were grown adults who kind of dressed like teenagers. I, I never really thought about that before. And you talked about it being sort of like, uh, I mean, this, these weren't your words, but sort of like commercial by design. Absolutely. Um, that's really interesting. And I, I think that that could be part of the cynicism against it too, from the part of like people my age, people with my taste or whatever. like sort of like seeing it as a, a product that was designed to capitalize on teen angst. Absolutely. But again, I mean, like that could be applied to so many uh, things in rock and roll. Like you could probably say that about the Sex Pistols or, you know, any number of big rock and roll acts who appeal to that to the teen, teen angst demographic. For sure. For sure, I think it's it's interesting too to note how um, so many respected bands change their sound for like two or three years to fit in. Yeah, 
for sure. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, some of the later Slayer records of that time. Not so much, but um, did they did they sort of like go new metal? Yeah, they made a record called Diabolus in Musica, I believe, and uh, there's that's it's they're basically rapping on it. It sounds like Biohazard, but it's basically Slayer rapping, and they're playing seven string guitars, and it's some parts it's like as if uh, Tom Araya is singing through a telephone. You have the telephone effect, which is really big in new metal, right? Um, and yeah, it's like a lot of it. It's so hilarious how huge and forgotten it was that people don't even like give Slayer a hard time about. <laughs> that's true. Well, I wonder. I mean, I, I that's something that I'm kind of of two minds about because you know, coming back to Kiss again, it's like when they did their disco record. You know, right. a lot of people sort of wrote them off, but like that record's actually kind of awesome. For sure. Uh, how did you feel about that when it came out? I mean, I wasn't aware of Kiss when I was that. Uh, you know at the level of discography when i was that little i more got into them as a teenager which was like after the fact and i fell in with this crowd of people who were like you know who thought that like kiss dynasty was an amazing record and uh and and that was something you know it was the 90s so it was like a little bit hard to separate the sarcasm or irony or like joking appreciation of something from a true appreciation i now think that the irony was like a shield to um to protect you know to, to to be able to say you were joking when actually you might have actually you might have really genuinely thought it was awesome um which is pretty stupid in retrospect but you know that was the 90s coming back to the idea about uh trends and like when people follow trends i think that in a way it's silly but in another way, when something is going on in a, in a cultural moment, like how can you not be influenced by it? Um, you know, unless you're, a, you know, the, a kind of truly timeless artist who exists in a bubble. Right. Um, but I mean, how do you feel that that, it, that, that holds up today? Um, like, you mean, do I think it, it holds up well or, or, or not like amongst like the cool kid crowd? I mean, just for your personal point of view, like you, you mentioned the Slayer record. Like, do you think that that holds up with their best stuff or does it seem like kind of a weird like attempt to, to, to be cool or something? Yeah, it seems more like a weird attempt to be cool. Um, another group in that, in that conversation, I think would be like Machine Head who already had like a groovy thing and then straight up went into a very glammy rap rock situation and i feel like the bands who weren't naturally uh, a part of it in like the first or second wave everything after that gets progressively more and more kind of cheesy right and i feel like there's less there's less redeeming qualities to the records like with the exception of like slipknot and lincoln park after 2000 2001 it's kind of it's pretty much a wrap after that right Lincoln Park is something that I truly like had a hard time like wrapping my head around because it sort of seemed like it almost from my perspective crossed a new metal sound with like a, a boy band kind of like Absolutely. Is that is that fair to say? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think Limp Bizkit were initially the first non-dangerous boy bandish band. I don't know if you you're familiar with any of their their videos, but they're pretty much they're parodying like Backstreet Boys videos, but 
also that's who they were. Right. So it's, it's it, again, maybe it's that weird 90s thing where you can't tell where the joke falls um, and the seriousness begins. But um, I think, yeah, Linkin Park just took that concept and sugarcoated it like to such a gnarly degree. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I suppose credit where it's due, like they're huge, massively popular, right? Well, yeah, I think, I think um, it's been the 20th anniversary actually of their first record. Um, and it, they're claiming that it was the biggest selling record of the decade between 2000 and 2010. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, as you get further into the 21st century, like record sales become a more nebulous kind of like <laughs> right. thing to brag about because it, you know, if it keeps going the way it's going, like if you sell a hundred records, you could be like number one on the, on the billboard yeah. charts. But I suppose they, they, they now, fold like streams into the the data of uh, counting that um i wanted to just briefly go back to what you're saying about like the the new metal as a trend how can you not uh be influenced by trends or how can you not you know as a veteran artist sort of be chasing popularity or seeing like or or maybe to be more generous like just oh that's interesting I'll, you know if they can do it like i'll try it out too yeah but, I, I mean, totally had actually on that tip, just to, as a side note, like I totally forgot that Gary Sharon from Extreme had ever sang for Van Halen. Yeah, Van Halen 3. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, that was, that happened and then it went away. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it, it's like you can't, although all the new metal bands, I, I feel like were very influenced by Extreme and, and the early Red Hot Chili Peppers and um, Faith No More. Yeah. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, Faith No More was very much like, you know, on the, the they had elements of funk and, and, and hip hop in their sound. But again, there was something about them that that seemed, you know, cool or or interesting. I don't know, maybe it was just that that I was younger or or Mike Patton's whole background as like a crazy weirdo avant garde sonic terrorist. Um, well, they did. They definitely had like a Zappa esque kind of credibility. I feel. Yeah, you, you've mentioned Zappa a couple of times. Is is that something? Is is he like an artist who whose work holds up in your opinion, or like who has that has value? Like absolutely. You, I'm I'm kind of uh, I was raised on Zappa. My mom was actually a huge Frank fan and seen him probably like I think four or five times between like the late '60s and the early '80s. Wow, cool. um, so I grew up like like my nursery rhymes as a child were like Frank Zappa lyrics. So he's someone who still holds up a lot. Um, he's not like the guy anymore, I guess, uh -huh. but he's definitely someone I've maintained a lot of respect for. That's cool. Um, I I mean I honestly like I never expected somebody like in the twenties to to shout out Frank Zappa and, and like. <laughs> Even though I'm not a huge fan, I always appreciated what he did, and uh, it's it's always good. It's al it's always nice to know that like these old weirdos like have some like connection to the to the younger generations. For sure. Um, so we talked about the generational difference in the in the response to new metal, and you talked about like closing in on thirty. Like, do you find yourself seeing any genres that you that you feel like an irrational like dislike of or that you 
that you don't get? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I find myself on the daily becoming more and more a Simpsons comic book guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's funny because it's like the stuff that I dislike, I feel like, like I love 3-6 Mafia and old Cash Money and old No Limit and Master P and stuff like that. I love like 90s trap music. Um, and I grew up with that too, but like, I have no connection to like modern, um, auto-tune rap or whatever. So that's something where I just see it. I have to like look away and be like, that's for the youth. Like, like I'm still youthful, but I'm not that level of youth anymore. It's funny. I, I had the exact same conversation with my friend who I spoke to the other day for this. Um, I'm going to have to track down someone who can like mount the, the defense and the explanation of the, the current <laughs> auto-tune rap. So if you have any hot tips, let me know. For sure, for sure. I remember like an, this uh, kind of amazing uh, post you did on Instagram where it was like a, from um, like an ad in a magazine from the 90s uh, of like, maybe it was like more on the skate punk uh, genre. And you said that like you got the magazine and without even like, understanding any of the words, you just like, concluded that you should go buy those records and then like went into town to HMV and bought all the all of the records. There was there's something so interesting about how aesthetic of the album covers could just you know captivate you like that. Do you remember what like do you still have those records? Do you still listen to them? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm super into physical physical copies. Like I I uh when I was a little kid, I had older cousins and stuff, and they all had, like, big CD collections. And then getting into punk rock later, like, the few punk rock kids who were into vinyl, they had, like, record collections. So it was always really attractive to me. And I feel like the more I, the more I get older, the more I hold on to those things from my youth, the, the things that made me excited. But, uh, yeah, like, I, everything that I have, bas- or I had as a, as a little kid, I still have either on CD and, and a lot of the stuff that's um, being reissued on vinyl, I'll, I'll pick it up if I can. But yeah, I still have all the records and I listen to them all the time. That's cool. I'm glad, uh, you know, someone is, is still uh, into physical records. I feel like, you know, I, I use streaming as much as the next person, but like, you just never know, like the plug could be pulled on that at any time. And it doesn't, seem possible in the moment we're in now but like you know look what happened in myspace or whatever like any any number of these early social networks or music sharing sites um okay well listen i think we have a good amount of stuff here uh we um i i really appreciated this talk and i you, you have opened my mind a little bit to uh to the world of new metal and it's uh sonic and songwriting uh possibilities i hope this was mildly entertaining it was very entertaining like my my only you know there were so many digressions that like if i go back i'll probably say oh we should have like talked more about this but maybe like maybe we'll do a follow-up sometime for sure i'd love to i'd love to all right cool well thanks a lot for your time and it was really uh nice to see your face and talk to you again same deal best of luck to you and the fam yeah thanks uh we'll be in touch Sure, later. Bye-bye. That's our show. 
You can find uh, Eliza Caution's record, The Res, last summer on Bandcamp. I've also put a link to it uh, on the homepage of this podcast, along with a special introduction to new metal playlist uh, for Spotify that Eliza Caution has put together just for you. You can find the What Is This Music podcast on Facebook. You can find me, Malcolm Fraser, on all the social networks. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time. <laughs>